Welcome to Real Estate Investing in the Real World Podcast. The topic of this episode is, should you pay off bank loans on investment property? Does it make sense to strive for paying down your mortgages faster on rental property through maybe refinancing in from a 30-year to a 15-year mortgage? And for that matter, if you have the financial wherewithal, does it make sense to just pay cash for rental property as opposed to getting a loan? We're going to cover all of those questions in great detail. I'm going to make it as simple as I can for you. And I'm probably going to share with you a couple of tips you've never heard before. Hi, I'm Phil Pustiowski with FreedomMentor.com. I'm a full-time real estate investor, real estate mentor and coach to many of the most successful real estate investors all across North America. Best-selling author of two books, my first one, How to Be a Real Estate Investor, and then my newest one, Real Estate Investing Gone Bad. Both are mandatory reading if you're serious about real estate investing. And this YouTube channel is number one, the most popular. It has almost hit 10 million views. Thank you so much for that. In fact, these days when I'm at an airport or at a maybe an amusement park, somebody will pull me out of a crowd and say, man, I love your videos. So you've somewhat made me a celebrity, not like a real celebrity, but a lot of people know who I am these days, so thank you for that. Well, maybe I shouldn't be thanking you when I talk more about the training here as it relates to bank loans versus all cash. All right, let's get started. So, to frame this entire discussion, we need to talk about the concept of arbitrage. Don't, don't get scared about the word arbitrage. You do it every day, probably. For example, if you hire someone to clean your house or to mow your lawn, typically you're doing that because you're paying them $10 to $15 an hour. In your normal job, you might earn $30 to $50 an hour. So it makes a whole lot of sense to have them do the work because you can make more money per hour doing what you do best as opposed to what they do best. That's arbitrage. But what here we're going to talk about is financial arbitrage. The idea that you can earn more interest on your money when you invest it than the prevailing interest rates for you to borrow money. Let me show you what that looks like. And so to, to frame this particular concept, I'm going to talk about paying cash for a house. I know you may not be able to do that, but it makes the discussion easy for illustration purposes. Okay, so... We've got a house, and it's going to be $300,000. And what I'm going to use for this example is a 10 cap. I'll explain what a cap rate is in a moment. But this is going to have a 10 cap rate, meaning if you paid $300,000 all cash for this house, you would get a 10% return on your investment after all expenses. After management, maintenance, after taxes, everything, you would bring in 10% or $30,000 a year. That would be your return. Meanwhile, you can borrow the money at 5%. That's the interest rate on the loan. So I ask you this question. If you can bring in 10% and it costs you 5%, does that make financial sense? The answer is yes. You don't have to have a degree in calculus or advanced mathematics to see this. You can get a positive 5% arbitrage play here. You're getting 10% from the investment, and you're paying 5% in the form of interest. Make sense? Okay, so this is the concept, and this is why it can make so much sense to have a bank loan 
when you have a rental property, long-term investment property, I'm not talking about flipping real quick here, I'm talking about long-term. You may have heard me talk about cap rate before. Let me talk about it one more time. So cap rate is this. You're, you're gonna have what's called NOI, that is your net operating income, and that's gonna be divided by whatever the purchase price is. Okay, NOI, what's that? That is your absolute income cash flow after you've paid. So it's gonna be your income minus your taxes and your insurance and your maintenance and your management and all the other expenses that go into owning a piece of real estate. But it doesn't include the cost of the mortgage because that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about if you paid cash for it, what would be all of the income minus all the expenses? That's where you get this NOI number. And what a cap rate number ends up looking like is it's a point zero something or a point one something. So a point one zero is a 10 cap. It's a percentage number is what it is. Okay. So in this particular example, in order for us to get a 10 cap um, on this deal, what would have to happen is this. I would have to have a, you know, of course the, uh, the purchase price is 300000 but I would have to have an income after all expenses, a yearly income of 30000 That's how I get to my 10 cap. Financial arbitrage is just the beginning of the benefits of bank loans against rental real estate. So the next one is what I'm going to call higher, use that as an uh, arrow, cash on cash return. All right, so. We'll go back to our example, and that is $300,000, and a 20% down payment on that would be $60,000. That's our 20% down. So if we're thinking in terms of cash-on-cash cash return, that would be this amount of money. This is our cash into it. How quickly does this come back? Now, we know from our example that we had thirty dollars coming in per year. But now that we have a loan in place of two forty. dollars that's going to change our total amount of income coming in. And so I did a quick uh, analysis on Zillow Mortgage Calculator on a 5% interest rate loan. That's about $20,000 a year goes toward, quote, debt service. So out of this, what we end up getting is $10,000. That's our actual cash flow. So our cash on cash return is 10 into 60. But that is still a lot better then our original, remember we had our 10 cap? So if we had a 10 cap, if this is higher, if 10 into 60 is higher than 10%, uh, which it is, that means that our cash on cash return is higher than, than the cap rate. So that means it makes sense. If you have a bank loan, you're not putting as much money into the property, so you're getting a faster cash on cash return. And that's not the total return, because remember, out of this 20000 some of that's going to principal. If I'm moving too fast, you're going to have to watch this again, because I'm going to keep flying. All right, number three, one of the things I absolutely love about bank loans is that it allows you to buy more real estate with your money. So you can buy more. Now, that also means, because that's pretty obvious, you can buy more. This is critical. Depreciation. Depreciation is something that exists in the United States. And it's, for tax purposes, it allows you to pay less in income taxes because it's an expense. 
Although it's not really an expense out of your bank account, it's just an expense for tax purposes. And for single family homes anyways, it is 27 and a half years. What you do is you do what's called the cost basis, which is going to be the cost to purchase the property minus the land value, because land doesn't depreciate based on uh, uh, the IRS rules. And so you have cost basis divided by that 27 and a half years. So if we go back to this example, let's say that the value of the land was the 60000 So really we had a cost basis of 240 And then that was divided by the 27 and a half years. Round numbers, this is 8700 Okay, so that means that of the, of the 10000 this is considered an expense, so you're only paying taxes on $1,700 a year. But, but, you, but you earn $10,000. See that? Well, it's a little bit more than that because some of this is going toward principal, but just showing you for simple illustration purposes. So by using a bank loan, you not only play the arbitrage game and you get a higher cash on cash return, and obviously you can buy more real estate because you're not putting as much cash in, but you also get the power of depreciation. Whereas, let me show you this. If you paid cash for the property, right, and you had this 8,700 is still what your depreciation amount is, but you're bringing in your 30,000, you see how now you're paying tax on what amounts to 21,700? So you're paying more in taxes. How is that possible? It's because depreciation is based on the cost basis. So the more you pay for a property, the more your depreciation is going to be. And that's what bank loans allow you to do. Powerful stuff, isn't it? Ah, but with much power comes much responsibility. And there are some drawbacks of bank loans. The first is going to be a personal guarantee. If you're dealing with residential real estate, that is four units and below, without exception, personal guarantees are pretty much required if you're going to get good interest rates. So personal guarantee, first big problem. And that means if something goes wrong and um, the loan doesn't get paid back, well, you are personally liable and you have to pay for it. Um, this is pretty much obvious, but I'm just going to point it out anyways, and that is the ability to get a loan, right? So you may have a difficulty getting a loan altogether because there are certain requirements for getting a loan. So there's a drawback, right? Um, but alongside the ability to get a loan is something even more important, and that is loan terms. So you're going to have to get low interest rate, um, but this is another big one. It's not just the interest rate. It's going to be this. Amortization length. Ooh, big word. Amortization is... Typically, 30 years or 15. If you're dealing with commercial real estate, you can almost never get 30 years. It's usually 15 or 20 or 25. So if you have to go with a 15-year because that's what the lender is requiring you to do, that could really hurt your overall profitability and the plans you have in place because the 15-year puts so much money toward paying it off. We're going back to this subject. It's even a good idea to pay it off, right? So amortization length is important. And then fixed rate length. Oh, this is big. If you're from the United States, you probably don't know that in Canada, they don't have 30-year fixed rate loans. They have 30-year amortized loans. But then after five years, 
the loan goes into adjustable and they have to uh, recast the loan or, or, or refinance the loan. Bet you didn't know that. And most, most commercial lenders are the same way. They may do a 15-year or a 20-year amortized loan, but it's not going to stay fixed for 20 years. It's going to stay fixed for maybe five years, and then it's going to go back to whatever the prevailing interest rates are at that time five years from now. That's a big deal, and that's a huge drawback. So when you're planning all this stuff out, it might make sense for those first five years, but then all of a sudden after five years, you don't know what's going to happen with the interest rates. So drawbacks there. So that's why it's so exciting in the United States with residential real estate when you can get a 30-year fixed rate loan. That's incredible because that's fixed for 30 years. 30 years from now, probably your rental rates are going to be higher probably, and probably there's going to have been inflation on the dollar or whatever the currency is that you're dealing with. And so what happens is it's so nice when you can lock it in for 30 years, but that's really rare outside of the United States. All right, so that's a big drawback. This is a huge drawback for me and for others, and that is, I'm going to call it lack of anonymity. Anonymity. When you get a loan, especially when you're talking about residential loans, they want you as the person to be the buyer. So it's going to show you as the owner on record. Now, you could try to transfer that into an LLC after you close, but then you would be breaking the deed of, deed of trust or mortgage um, due on sale clause, and you might get away with it. But there's the problem there. It also avoids your title policy, and it's still on public records that at some point you were the owner. So there's not much anonymity when you're getting a bank loan. And if you are high profile or you don't want people to know what kind of assets you have and everything in between, this is a problem with getting a bank loan. Write these down. These are my two commandments of bank loans. Number one, 30% in equity. I know most banks are only going to require 20% down for many of your investment loans. I'm not saying you just put 20% down. What I'm saying is you put 20% down, but you also buy it 10% below value. That's where you get your 30% equity. Always have some room in the deal. Why? Because if things go wrong and you need to sell that investment property quickly, you can drop the price low enough to get rid of it quickly and still make a couple of bucks and definitely pay off that loan. So have equity in the property. Don't be doing 100% financing where you have absolutely no equity in the deal and it's all loan. That will put you in a potential bind. Number two is you need reserves. I have in here four months of of debt service payments, for mortgage payments worth of reserves. At least have some money saved up in case something goes wrong. You have the ability to make those mortgage payments while you fix the problem, whether it's a tenant that moves out, whether you have some problem with the actual property, or anything in between. So have equity, have reserves, and now you have the ability to take full advantage of the power of bank loans so that you can benefit from it and not put yourself into a potential financial bind because you are using the power of leverage. With all the benefits of a bank loan, is there any benefit to owning rental property all cash? Well, let's talk about them. The first and by far the most important one is anonymity if it's anonymity when you buy. When you first purchase the property, if you pay all cash, you can buy it in an LLC, you can buy it in a trust, and you can buy it in such a way where basically no one even knows you bought it. So this is huge for those that don't want anyone to know what kind of assets they're really dealing with. And I may know somebody personally like that. Well, 
Also, what if you're in a situation where maybe you've just gone through a divorce and you've run into some money and you don't want the, the ex-spouse to know about that and take you back to the court and change the whole rules on, on the alimony and child support? Well, that might be good for anonymity. Or maybe you're a drug dealer or that sort of thing, and I'm not that I'm um, supporting that kind of economic behavior, but if you want to have anonymity, you can do that with all cash purchases. So that's a benefit. And obviously another benefit is no interest. Uh, you're not paying bank interest. But as we discussed just a moment ago, that's not a bad thing so long as your cap rate is a lot higher than your interest rate, right? But on the other side of the coin, if it's about the same or it's just slightly different, well, then maybe there is a benefit to go with, uh, with no interest because... If you can't get any more money on your money than the prevailing interest rates, I mean, there was a time when interest rates were double digits. Well, then it makes sense to just pay it off. Does that make sense? Oh, but there are myths surrounding owning rental property without a bank loan. And here's the big one. That you own the property. Ha! Let me ask you a question. If you don't pay your property taxes and you own the property free and clear, what happens? The government takes your property. Let me ask you this. If it's in an HOA or a homeowners association or a condo association, and you own the property free and clear, and you don't pay their bill, what happens? That's right. They take your property. Another, to a smaller extent, if you, uh, if you own a property free and clear, and you get insurance and that insurance lapses, is there anybody to even tell you that your insurance lapsed? Not always. It's happened to me before. It sucks. Your insurance lapses, and all of a sudden you own a home free and clear and you don't have any property insurance on it. <clears throat> so the idea that you own the property, that's a myth. The government owns the property. The HOA owns the property well before you do. So don't get thinking that somehow because you own it free and clear, you own the property. That's not true. You're still renting the property from a higher authority. There's been a whole lot of talk, but what's the verdict? Loan versus payoff slash cash. All right, well, if you're following the commandments, you're winning the arbitrage game, and if the interest rate is fixed, or at least fixed for a long period of time, no question, loan will always win. Now, on the other side of the coin, if the cap rate is really high, 15 20%, and that's more than you could invest your money anywhere else in the marketplace, it can make sense to pay it off even if you're winning the arbitrage game, because there's no other place to put your money to get that high of a, a return on investment. Make sense? Or if you can't get a fixed rate loan for any length of time, and meanwhile you also want to own that property forever, for generations and generations, you buy some castle in France and you want to own it for forever, well, maybe you do need to pay cash, because that way it's at least there's one less thing you have to worry about. You still have to worry about taxes, but you don't have to worry about making sure the interest rates don't go crazy and haywire. All right, also if you need anonymity, we've talked about that. That if you need anonymity, you have to pay cash up front to get that anonymity. But either way, what you see here is paying off makes sense when the cap rate's huge. If you don't ever want to have to worry about that fixed interest rate ever being uh, an issue, maybe five years down the road, if you're in Canada or you're dealing with a commercial property, otherwise if you need anonymity, pay cash. And if you're like me, you like to have your cake and eat it too. So what is the best of both worlds? What's the best of a bank loan and the best of all cash? Creative financing, you guessed it, what I specialize in. With creative financing, whether it be, I'm going to give you two examples, subject to 
and I have extensive videos on these subjects for owner financing, you can get the anonymity. You can buy the property in whatever entity, LLC, trust you want to buy it in. You wouldn't have a personal guarantee on this, and most of the time with owner financing, you can structure it so your entity has, a, has the guarantee, not you personally. So you avoid those problems, but you get the benefits of having a bank loan. So if you really want to take it to the next level with real estate investing, discover how to use creative financing, and then you get the best of both worlds. You get the best of bank loans, and you get the best of cash, and you get it both without all the hassles and headaches. But you got to know how to find the deals, how to structure the deals. i got great videos on that. In fact, there's one video called How to Turn a Little into a Lot, Part 2. That's probably the best video I have of all of them on the subject of creative financing and how to structure these things. All right, well, I hope you learned some new things here. If you've got questions and, and things that you want to share with me, put them in the comments down below.